Hey, what's going on? Sean here with a Friday episode of Locked on Raptors. And on today's show, it's a mailbag episode. We got lots of great questions from the listeners out there covering Scotty Barnes against Evan Mobley, the minutes crunch once Pascal Siakam returns, a whole bunch of other things as well that we're going to get to on today's program. So thank you for being here and stick around. We got lots of mailbag oh, questions coming up. I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1051 of Locked on Raptors for Friday, November the 5th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And of course, you can find the podcast free on all of your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Odyssey, all of it. You can find the the show there and it's free. You can also find it for free on YouTube if you want to watch the video versions. And uh, it's much, much appreciated when you subscribe over there. We've had a nice little boost of subscribers this week and uh, thank you to everyone has who has taken the plunge and clicked that big red button uh all right on today's show we are going to be getting into the uh talk about uh the mailbag questions that's what i'm trying to get to here mailbag questions uh from all of you you know on a bunch of different topics from like i said off the top in the cold open scotty barnes against evan mobley who of course play each other for the first time tonight we have got questions about the best dunker on the team the best dunk so far of the season and all that good stuff uh, in addition to some questions about the rotation and you know the fates the minutes fates of a lot of guys in the team as the team progresses towards full health so we'll get to all those today but first I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at McDonald's proudly serving community since 1965 McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty affordable food it's an unofficial community center a big thank you to our friends over at McDonald's and for always being there I'm loving it all right on today's show, uh, as I mentioned, mailbag questions. Let's get to them now. The first one that I have here, let me just pull it up here on the screen. This one comes from Andy Clark, uh, sort of the topic du jour with the Toronto Raptors playing the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight in Toronto, a game I will be at. Very excited to take that all in. The first time the number three and uh, number four overall picks have played each other in the NBA. And the question from Andy is, early days, but Barnes and Mobley have been two of the standout rookies. Does each front office secretly wish they had the other one to better fit their play style? This is a really interesting question. I I think, you know, if you had given the Raptors truth serum on draft night, I'm sure they would have said, yeah, it would have been cool if we could have moved up for a reasonable price to get Evan Mobley because he very much seems like a Raptors type player, much the same way Scotty Barnes is a Raptors type player. I I think you would say on draft night going in, you know, I think the consensus suggested that Evan Mobley was sort of the better prospect than Barnes, and and most people would have had him ahead of him. A lot of people had Mobley, you know, number two, sometimes even number one on their sort of list of who could be the best player in this draft down the line. As much as Cade Cunningham felt like kind of a sure thing with all of his ball handling skill and all that, um, you know, Evan Mobley was the apple of a lot of people's eyes during the draft process. And so, I don't know, if you sort of, yeah, if you gave them that truth serum on draft night, do they wish they had come out of it with Evan Mobley more than Scotty Barnes? 
Maybe, who's to say? But also, we did not think Scotty Barnes was number four on anybody's board, and he was very clearly there for the Raptors. He could have been higher than number four. We don't know. We're never going to know that unless we get some of those good NBA TV commercials, a la the Bruno Caboclo draft, where you get that behind-the-scenes sort of footage uh, of Masai Ujiri talking about who and who is not going to be a good one. But yeah, I I think now that we look at it, I kind of think both teams made out with exactly what they wanted. You know, the Cavaliers get Evan Mobley, who I think was sort of projected as a center, but very much looks like he has the mobility and ball handling skill and just sort of general dexterity to be a four next to Jared Allen in that jumbo frontcourt pairing. And that is kind of the Cavs version of future basketball. The Raptors view future basketball a little bit differently. The six foot nine, the switchability, the ball handling, the defense, all of that. Obviously, it's two different ways to build a team, but I kind of like that both of these teams have kind of veered away into sort of new directions, kind of bucking the traditional positional trend. And, you know, you'd have to sort of talk to, I'm sure the way that they drafted, you know, the, the guy who fell to them certainly was going to inform their team building philosophy. That's just what you have to do when you're drafting that high. But I do think, you know, if you were to ask them now, I think they're both very happy with their selections and there's no need to do the comparison thing. This isn't like the Jalen Suggs, you know, Scotty Barnes thing. As much as I thought the Suggs-Barnes thing was tired and kind of stupid, you know, this is even less of a thing because Mobley was the very clear, higher projected prospect. The Raptors never had a chance of getting him. And so there's no like, oh man, what could have been situations here? And I don't think the Cavs are ever going to be like, damn, I wish we had taken Scotty Barnes because Evan Mobley looks awesome and he seems to fit exactly what they want to do. And that front court, with Barnes and Mobley is going to be, sorry, Barnes and Mobley and Allen, that is. Barnes and Mobley is seven years from now in Toronto, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think both teams are pretty happy with how they've made out and the way they've played so far this season suggests that both teams are in line for some good things to happen down the line through these two very, very special players. Um, I I guess I should take a second to sort of look ahead to tonight's game as well. Raptors-Cavs, the Cavs come in at 4-4. Raptors, of course, have won five straight, only one of which uh, has come at home, which is interesting, but they will take on the Cavs tonight. Uh, And I'm really excited for this game. I I can't wait to watch the Barnes-Mobley stuff. I can't wait to see if... The thing I'm really watching for, actually, is how Evan Mobley handles Fred Van Vliet, because... We saw in the last game against the Wizards, Fred Van Vliet, you know, kind of had his way in the mid-range. There wasn't really a big man who could sort of toe the line between shutting Fred's perimeter game down and then also shutting down that mid-range game. I think Evan Mobley stands a very good chance, and I would not be surprised if we saw one of those Fred Van Vliet mid-rangers blocked into oblivion by Evan Mobley at some point tonight. He feels like he's kind of all over the place, just sort of appearing in the spot that he needs to be when you watch him play defense, and so that is going to be a super interesting thing. As much as the Barnes-Mobley thing is interesting, and Barnes will return tonight, if you did not know that, the news dropped yesterday that he will be available, which is great, Um, but I, I really am fascinated to see how Mobley defends the Raptors, and if he is sort of this sort of uh, unbeatable dragon that is sort of forming uh, for for the offense for a long time to come. You know, the Raptors offense has looked a lot better recently. It's, it's been, you know, a little bit smoother. They've been able to run their stuff a little bit more sort of with impact and force. And, you know, they're hitting some shots now, which is nice too. But I am curious to see up against like a game-breaking type defender like Mobley, who they have not really played the last few games here. I guess you could say maybe Miles Turner has that in him sometimes on the Pacers. But for the most part, you know, Mobley is going to be the best singular defender they've come across over this win streak, I would argue. I'm really curious to see if their offense can kind of keep up the, the pace it's been on. 
you know, they're a number 15 offense right now in the NBA. I think maybe 14. Like that is very impressive, way ahead of where I thought they would be. And a lot of that's, of course, being driven by transition. But I'm curious to see how the half-court offense, which has looked a little bit incrementally better over the course of the year, not that they could look any worse than they did in the first game of the season, but I think as the things kind of progress here, watching them go up against a guy like Mobley who can blow up a lot of the stuff they want to do, who I'm sure will take time guarding OG and Fred and Scotty Barnes at times in this game, it's just going to be a really cool sort of tête-à-tête. And another very cool Eastern Conference matchup because... I'm just every time the Raptors play a team in the East, it's just like such a weird sort of clashing of styles. And this is going to be like that as well. Very much looking forward to seeing Raptors Cavs tonight. But that will be my final thought on that. And we will get to more mailbag questions from you, the listeners, in just one second. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends over at McDonald's. This episode of Lockdown Raptors is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities for uh, or since 1965. We love McDonald's over here. It has always been a place to just get more than tasty, affordable food. It's been a place where you can connect with family and friends and go to recharge and refuel. You can go there with classmates and, you know, do a study group or, a you know, play in hooky, whatever it might be. McDonald's is the place. And it's just kind of like this central community hub. Winner lose it's the place where teammates competitors the home team and the away team can come to recharge as well it's the place you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your weary legs and refuel i've had many experiences with with mcdonald's in my life and uh the road trip one is a really good one I, i do a lot of long road trips i'm a big fan of road trips and it's always nice to know that you can stop at mcdonald's and get yourself uh some 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 snacking food you know, maybe you want to get some nuggets to put in the uh, like the car, the car holder, the cup holder in your car. That's usually a pretty good move. There's all sorts of options when you go on a lovely road trip to McDonald's. And you can also do things like watch sports at McDonald's. They have televisions there. I've gone in to watch big sporting events when I've been out and about and needed to you know pop in to see South Korea win a big World Cup game or something like that. It's always a good time to hop in. Uh, and there's McDonald's everywhere. If there is that emergency sporting event, you got to watch. Did somebody say Lockdown Raptors watch party at McDonald's? Who's to say? Either way, thank you so much to McDonald's for sponsoring the podcast. I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Calm. Uh, do you want to know what makes LeBron James the King James? Sleep. That's right. Sleep is the superpower. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, and it has teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. That's good to me because all of my muscles are garbage, but my brain... Because I sleep well is uh, is great. Calm, uh, you can uh, you can of course train your brain so you can sleep better, reduce stress, and perform at your best, just like King James. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. As he says, "quote Getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind." From the sound of rain falling on leaves to bedtime sleep stories, calm puts me to sleep within minutes, which means I can wake up ready for any challenge. Unquote. LeBron James, noted for his body being very good, and he's in year 18 and still does not look like he's tired. Uh, It seems like it's working for him with Calm, and it can work for you too. So if you head to Calm.com slash LockedOnNBA for a limited time, you get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you have access to nature scenes LeBron loves like rain on leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditations so you can be ready for any challenges that life throws your way. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm, C-A-L-M, and get a 40% discount for a Calm Premium description, subscription, description, subscription at calm.com, C-A-L-M.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on NBA. 
All right, let's continue on. More mailbag questions to get to here, and uh, let's fire up the next one here. This one comes in from Nick Gobail. Uh, Gobay, I'm very sorry, Nick, if I'm mispronouncing your name. Uh, but either way, best dunk of the year so far, Precious or Scotty, who will have the crown by year's end? This is a question that appeals to my sensibilities. I love dunks. I love big dunks. I love having Raptors teams loaded with good dunkers. And it's been a bit of a sore spot for me that even though they won a championship and had the 2019-20 season where they were a total delight, it's been kind of light on dunkers for the Raptors in the last couple years. Norm Powell, really the only guy who could bust out a couple big yams over the course of a season to really get you off your feet. And it seems like maybe there's a bit of a dunk renaissance going on with this year's Raptors. Precious Achua, of course, has had a couple where he's just kind of self-created a dunk and sort of parted the seas for himself. The last one, uh, of course, against the Wizards on Wednesday being the loudest and best of the bunch. That was, I think, probably the best Raptors dunk of the season. I know the Scotty one kind of going three dribbles from rebound to dunk against the Magic last week was a great dunk, but I would argue there wasn't quite enough in terms of like obstacles in his way to really amp up the impressiveness. I do love a poster. I do love somebody getting yammed on, and... As much as that Scotty photo, like the one that you get from the baseline of him just kind of in mid-flight, does feature both Terrence Ross and I think Jalen Suggs looking up in horror as Scotty Barnes is about to dunk on them, didn't quite get the same sort of on a dude uh, sense that you got with Precious dunking on Corey Kispert. Uh, it's always fun to dunk on a rookie too, I guess. Like there's a sort of nice little welcome to the NBA kind of element to it as well. So I will say the Precious dunk is currently the best Raptors dunk of the season. And it honestly might be hard to top that one. That one was just so, like, out of nowhere. Obviously, it's been during a stretch where Precious Achua has not played particularly well, and people are kind of upset with him. And honestly, that dunk for me is going to hold, keep me going on Precious for, like, at least another week. It's going to kick my uh, Precious bad, angry takes about him and his play down the road for another 7 to 10 days. And I think that's totally fine, because dunks are cool, and that's what we watch for. And, uh, yeah, give me more dunks like that, Precious, and you can go for 2 for 9 all you want. I don't really give a damn. Um, as far as who's going to hold the crown, this season, you know, if there's a challenger to that precious dunk, I mean, Scotty Barnes is a very good dunker already. He can kind of, you know, emerge from a crowd quite nicely. He's got those long, graceful strides. I do wonder, though, if it, you can kind of get to the point where his dunks look too easy. Like, they, they just are, like, just so, like in motion and fluid that maybe he kind of has the Pascal thing where it's not like it's like a heavy cram every time he goes in and it's more of like, uh, all right, I'm just taller and bigger than you. I'm just going to drop this ball into the basket with like delicate grace. I, I wonder if maybe that's in Scotty's future. He does have a little bit more sort of emphasis when he dunks in Pascal, which has always been, I think, the, the, the worst part of Pascal Siakam's game has been his lack of uh, dunking acumen, uh, which is, I guess, a good problem to have in terms of overall ability. But for someone who likes dunk, it's my one bugaboo, but Pascal Siakam. Dunk harder, dude. You're tall. You're strong. Do it. Um, I also think OG's a real candidate here to potentially have the best dunk of the season. He might have on his resume the best dunk of anyone on the team, and it's his dunk in college for Indiana against, I think, Syracuse, where he uh, just completely ended a dude scaled him vertically more or less and then dunked on him uh go look up the dunk just search og ananobi indiana dunk and it'll be the first thing that comes up for sure i think he did it in the tournament maybe either way i would say og because of like the frequency with which he's driving because of how strong he is i think there's going to be at least one sort of blow by dunk where he dunks on a sort of helping big man who is hapless to stop it 
how that looks. I mean, he is the opposite of Pascal. He dunks with force. He dunks with emphasis. He, like, rattles that rim. So I think that is a big component to good dunking. And I think we will see OG at least put in something to contend that Precious dunk. Um, you know, he feels like maybe someone who can dunk through traffic a little bit more than Precious. There wasn't exactly traffic for Precious. It was just Corey Kispert in his way. I could see OG, like, crowning two dudes at once with the way he kind of goes up with, with the force and strength that he has. Um, so he, I, I'm on notice with OG potentially being the guy for this question. Uh, let's continue on. The next question here, this one comes from Brandon Wint, who asks, Do you foresee a scenario where both Banton and Flynn share ball handling duties in the second unit? Uh, he also th- didn't fit in with the characters on the thing here, but uh, the uh, addition to the question was, uh, does Banton kind of make Flynn irrelevant within the team? I don't think Banton makes Flynn irrelevant. I do think it's made the path to minutes a little bit more difficult for Flynn here, obviously. But I think there's a world in which both of these guys do get run. And I think that you know requires a couple of guys to really fall out of favor. I think Chris Boucher is sort of the pathway to this, honestly. He's not been good at all, and if the Raptors deem that maybe there's not a long-term fit there anymore, maybe they look to offload him to somebody. I'm kind of watching the Bulls, honestly, uh, considering they lost Patrick Williams. They're not a very deep team. Chris Boucher, you know, would be very much of the same sort of, like, shoot-first mentality as a lot of their guys, but maybe as some bench depth, that's, like, a a potential fit there. As as his expiring guy, he can come in, leave, and then Patrick Williams can come back next season and just kind of assume his spot. That's a possibility, but I, I think... You know, whatever happens with Boucher is going to determine, I think, do Banton and or Flynn get into the into the lineup here? Because I, I think Boucher falling out of favor, you know, if Precious also falls out of favor, which maybe won't happen because Nick Nurse seems to really dig him. But I think once at full health, he really could be on the outside looking in at like number five in that sort of big man rotation of guys. I, I could totally see Banton kind of slotting in as like a go-to small forward, power forward option for Nick Nurse. He obviously loves him. He loves the ball handling. He loves the energy, the, the pace he brings to the game, the way he ignites their transition game. He's just a smart player, too. He seems like he's going to be really good playing off of good players. Kind of reminds me in some ways as like a bigger DeAndre Bembry from last season. A little bit more sort of, uh, you know, dynamism, I suppose. But in terms of just like knowing where to cut, knowing where to fill in the spaces between good players, I kind of think Banton has that vibe to him. And so I could see him being a connector in some second units. I could see him being a power forward type who, you know, sometimes handles the ball. And then if he is playing a power forward, that opens up Malachi Flynn to be the backup point guard, which I think at some point will happen this season. I think he's, you know, shown a couple of nice flashes in the last couple of games here. Obviously, you want to see more of it. And we didn't really get a chance to see much of Flynn against the Wizards playing just the three minutes in the first half. But I think as the season goes along, they will want to bring down Fred Van Vliet's workload. He's playing like 40 minutes a game right now. There's a lot on his shoulders. If you can work Flynn in as a capable backup point guard and then also have Banton as some supplementary ball handling and defense in those second units, I think that could be the pathway here. And I think, you know, there's incentive for the Raptors to give some of those minutes to Flynn and Banton together. They're guys who they've invested in, obviously, you know, more so in Flynn with the first round pick than Banton so far. But I think Banton is going to be someone who they do plan on investing in down the line. You know, if you have a Flynn, you know, Svee's in that second unit, Banton, Yuta Watanabe, and then maybe like Kem Birch as sort of your go-to next five after your starting five, which again, I think should be the small lineup with, uh, you know, the three forwards, Barnes, Siakam, OG, Trenton, and Fred. If those next five guys are sort of guys six through 10 in your rotation, and Boucher and uh, Precious are the ones that fall out to those 11 and 12 spots, 
I don't necessarily hate that. I, I I think, you know, in terms of sort of massaging things along for the future, obviously you want Precious to get some run here. I'm sure him and Birch will get in there as well. I'm sure, you know, Utah and Precious will battle for minutes at the four. But I, I do think it's important that you get Flynn some run here at some point. He's looked good enough the last couple of games here. You want to see what you have in him. And he can provide some useful things to the Raptors in terms of driving transition and, uh, you know, setting guys up, running capable pick and rolls, kind of knowing how the half-court offense is supposed to work. Uh, I would like to see Flynn and Ben. So will we see it anytime soon? I'm not sure, Brandon. Thank you for the question. But I do think at some point that will be uh, a, sec- a second unit that we kind of see and Banton and Flynn will both be featured in it heavily. Uh, we'll get to some more questions here coming up in just a second to wrap up the show on a Friday. Before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are uh, making the best tasting protein bars in the world. And they're wonderful if you're in the holiday spirit. You know, I, I know Canadian Thanksgiving has already happened, but we all kind of experience American Thanksgiving up here anyway um, through, you know, there being football on on a Thursday. And sometimes I'll order a festive special or something like that just so I can get my fix of uh, holiday time type food while I know my American pals are all gorging themselves. Sometimes I want to make myself my own turkey dinner just so I can live out the fantasy. But either way, as Thanksgiving uh, approaches and the holiday season approaches, Built Bar is the way to go. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. It's the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. But most Built Bars are only 130 calories with just 4 grams of sugar and plenty of protein. So if you're looking to maybe have healthier alternatives dessert-wise this year, you have that nagging sweet tooth. Built Bar can help you satisfy that sweet tooth without eating 300 calories worth of pie three times in a week. You can replace that coconut cream pie with a coconut built bar. Raspberry built bar is great to replace that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie or confection that you might think of. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built bars are the great option for when you're hungry. And if Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a built bar or two right now to get that dessert sensation, baby. Uh, You also get new surprises all the time when you go to the website. Limited time flavors will be appearing all month long at built.com. Uh, because it's the holidays and they have lots of seasonal flavors and there's nothing like a built bar black friday you mark your calendar black friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 and get 15 percent off your order that is the promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com all right let's round out your first listen of the day with some more mailbag questions shall we Uh, a couple more came in a lot of stuff relating to the rotation crunch that is on the way for your toronto raptors uh this one here comes from craig edmonds who asks how does siakam fit when he gets back will it be a a tough but workable fit b like a glove c a mix of a and b or d simmons trade bait i'm going to rule out d right now i think wanting to trade pascal siakam for ben simmons suggests uh not really a basic understanding of how teams are built and how offenses work and i just think you're asking for a whole lot of problems if you have problems with the raptors half-court offense right now swap out Ben Simmons for Pascal Siakam. It's going to get worse. I can promise you that. I wouldn't do that trade at all. I I think wipe that one from the floor. I don't think Ben Simmons is coming to the Raptors, and I think that's totally fine. I don't think he's the guy you spend your chips on for right now, especially when Scotty Barnes has looked this good already. Just let that that ride, man. You don't have to change everything. You don't have to tweak things just because some shiny thing is available over here. Let it ride out. This is a team that's already ahead of schedule based on how good Scotty Barnes looks. 
let's just see what happens here. Let this season, you know, coalesce and, and come together. Let's see what Pascal looks like with this roster before making any sort of grand decisions about his future. And honestly, the way the Scotty Barnes has already developed suggests to me that you're going to get a lot out of this next three years that you have Siakam under contract. There's no need to move on. He can be a valuable, excellent piece of a very good team faster than we might have thought because of how good Scotty Barnes looks. So that one's out of the deal for me. Uh, as far as what I think the fit will look like, I think probably a mix of A and B. I think on the floor, the fit's going to be really nice. Obviously, there's going to be sort of a readjustment of the hierarchy, and I think we'll see, you know, OG's usage maybe come down a little bit. Scotty Barnes might be less of a 18-point-a-game guy. Maybe he goes to a 12- or 13-point-a-game guy who's kind of doing the dirty work. Maybe has more assists because he's got the ball more. I'm not sure, but... I think, and also maybe Scotty Barnes just scores 18 points a game because he's freaking awesome. That's totally possible too. But either way, I think with the arrival of Siakam, the half-court offense is going to get better. It might take a couple weeks to sort of see where everybody slots in, much the same as it's taken a couple weeks for the Raptors' half-court offense to figure itself out without Siakam and how, you know, it's taken some time to figure out how to run the sets and they've learned sort of as they've gone here um, sort of the, the, the sort of strengths and where everyone's going to be. The, the chemistry builds. That's just how it happens. So much like any sort of new arrival to a team, it's going to take some time to work Siakam back in and I think that's totally fine. I do think, in theory, once you get that sort of early growing pains phase out of the way, it's all going to fit so much better. And I think the rotation question, so I know the the problem right now is there's too many guys who are worthy of minutes and it's going to be a problem. That's not really a problem for us to worry about. That's a Nick Nurse problem, obviously. He's got to sort of figure out the rotation and what it's all going to look like. But I do think when Siakam is back, it's going to be easier to assemble a really effective rotation. We've seen so far, Nick Nurse is scraping the bottle of the bottom of the barrel when it comes to those in-between lineups and can he milk three minutes out of a guy who can fill in for Fred Van Vliet for three minutes like that's all he needs once Siakam is back you're gonna be able to stagger two of your starters into every lineup essentially you're not going to have you know these sort of ragtag crews where there's only one starter out there and like very little shooting and it's kind of like a let's survive by the seat of our pants kind of section of the game you're gonna be able to play you know, an OG and Scotty pairing, a Pascal and Fred pairing, whatever duo you want to combine between the four guys you have on the team as your sort of main four guys, you're going to be able to make those lineups sing a little bit more just because you're going to have better players on the floor for more of the game. And that, I think, is going to make the overall sort of smoothness of each game that much easier for Nick Nurse to achieve when it comes to rotation patterns and finding, you know, who, who guys who are going to get into their flow. I know we heard last week um, about how, you know, Kayla Gray was talking on the broadcast, uh, you know, one of her sideline reports talking about how Fred Van Vliet was discussing the difficulty he's kind of had getting into a flow because of the strange rotation patterns that have been caused by the injury to Pascal Siakam and later Scotty Barnes and how it's been kind of hard to find a rhythm. Siakam is going to help them find that rhythm and it's just going to make everything a lot smoother across the game so I'm leaning towards more it's going to be like a glove with the caveat that it might take a little bit for him to figure things out but I think the fit's going to be great and I think like we know the chemistry that a Barnes and Fred and OG uh, sorry a Siakam a Fred and OG already have and I think you know, especially if they go with that small ball lineup and Barnes is your nominal center, you know, working in the middle of the middle of the floor, that fit sounds uh, lovely to me. And I'm really excited to see how it all comes together. Uh, let's get to one more question here. This one is going to come from Caleb Latre, who asks, 
Thoughts on floor time versus preservation for potential trade pieces like Dragic and Boucher. He also mentioned Sfi as well. I don't think Sfi's going anywhere at this point. I think he uh, is kind of part of Nick Nurse's, you know, trusted circle. And once you're part of that, you are golden in Toronto. Uh, talk to Patrick McCaw about that. Um, as it comes to Dragic and Boucher, Boucher? Boucher. I, I think, you know, there's two schools of thought for both of these guys, right? Like, if you're trying to build up Dragic into a trade asset, having him play well or play better than he did for the first four games of the season might not be a terrible call. And, you know, maybe there's a rotation situation that happens on the line where there's an injury or something where he finally gets his shot and that's where he plays himself into a deal. That said, Dragic is a bit of a known commodity right now. There's not going to be a ton of teams that are after a guy like that, but the ones who will be in desperate need of a point guard might not really have any druthers about, okay, he hasn't played all year, we can't go get this guy, because, like, the Mavericks know what Goran Dragic is. If Luka Doncic says, go get Goran Dragic, trade for him now, eventually that'll probably happen in some way, shape, or form. And I don't know if it necessarily matters how much Dragic plays. And I think, you know, there's an argument to the preservation thing. You don't want to just get nothing for the asset. Obviously, if, you know, he gets hurt and he's not a commodity that anybody wants, like, obviously, that's kind of a wasted roster spot, a waste of, uh, you know, a potential trade piece and all of that. But I, I, you know, I don't really have a strong opinion on it either way. It doesn't seem like Dragic is in the plans anytime soon, so my opinion probably doesn't really matter all that much. The Raptors have their own plan with it. I don't think he's going to get bought out or anything like that. I think they're just going to ride it out, see what happens, see how the market develops. December 15th obviously makes trades a lot easier to happen because more players are available, and then more injuries might take place, so there might be desperation across the league. You know, everyone kind of always assumes, oh, well, all these teams are set in the first week. No, that's not how it happens, and injuries take place, and, you know, replacements are needed across the board, and that sort of gets the trade market revved up a little bit later on in the year. So um, I, I don't have a problem with the Dragic not playing at the moment. I think he's kind of a known commodity. When it comes to Boucher, I mean... It's tough because you want to potentially play him to showcase him for a trade if that's what you want to do. I'm not sure if that's what the Raptors want to do, but when you read the tea leaves, look at how the roster is assembled, makes sense that this could be his last season in Toronto. You know, maybe you want to play him to play him into being some sort of a, a trade piece. Or if you think he's not the same player he was last season, if you don't think he's going to be capable of contributing to a winning squad the way he was able to kind of put up numbers on a bad team last year, maybe you want to kind of hide him a little bit and keep that sort of glow of last season on him a little bit and potentially look to move him to a team that is still sort of, you know, caught up in the vapors of last season and haven't really paid attention this year. I think teams are smarter than that. They're going to realize the Boucher's not look so hot and that will adjust his trade value accordingly. But I do think there's, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more incentive to keep Boucher hidden from uh, sort of exposing himself as maybe a player who is not quite going to drive winning for you. You know, I, I honestly don't think it, these are two guys who I just don't think figure into the future plans all that much. Obviously, you want to get something for them if they're going to be going out, just asset management and all that stuff. But I don't know if Dragic and Boucher are two guys to really be kind of worrying about because that doesn't feel like big picture stuff kind of feels like fringe stuff to me, and the big picture stuff looks really rosy between Scotty Barnes looking as good as he has, Delano Banton looking like already like a steal with the second round pick, you know, Ken Birch looking like he's going to be very much worth the six and a half million bucks he's getting paid over the next three seasons, combined with the OG, you know, development, the Pascal return, Fred kind of adding this new sort of set of wrinkles to his game, that's all the stuff that really matters, this Boucher and Dragic stuff is kind of the fringe, you know, consideration, and ultimately I don't think 
what happens with them is going to have that much of a tangible impact on the way the team is constructed going forward. If you can get stuff back for them, great. If you can p- package them together to the Sixers or something like that, you know, some sort of desperate team and, and fleece a team, awesome. But I also don't think if you go through the deadline and get a second round pick for each of them, that's the end of the world either. Anyway, that is going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, By the way, Katie Heindel was supposed to be on today's show. She had to bail because uh, she had to talk to a wonderful player from the Cavaliers who uh, their schedules all worked out. She had to go down the arena. So I apologize for no Katie on this episode, but Katie will be on twice next week. We'll probably talk about the Brooklyn game on Monday, of uh, of course. They play on Sunday afternoon against the Nets, and uh, it's a busy week next week with a couple of road games and uh, lots of good stuff. So you have that to look forward to thank you so much for tuning in today and making us your first listen of the day you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite platforms including youtube so please go hit subscribe if you have not yet and uh you can go make your second listen of the day now locked on fantasy basketball as josh lloyd's doing a great job covering all the early season trends over there so please go give that show a sub on youtube as well and uh get your fantasy team right because josh lloyd is just about the very best in the business at helping you do just that and uh with that have a good weekend everybody enjoy the games against the Cavs and the nets we'll be back on monday with another episode of locked on raptors Bye bye